We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the 2003, how would you categorize this? I guess, uh, action uh, adventure it's, it's fantasy. Like, yeah, it's almost steampunky, too. So yeah. So it's like that, but it's also historical fiction. Yeah. It's, it is all things. The long-awaited prequel to Wild Wild West, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Well, Ricky, you just threw that headcanon out there. <laughs> Reckless abandon. Uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. And uh, sorry, not sorry. Yes. Um, so in case you guys are not following us on Twitter, we are at Flashback Flicks. Uh, I had the pleasure and privilege of editing together a mashup trailer of... The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and Justice League, calling it the Justice League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, I put a lot of time into it, so if you could just go over there and watch it, that'd be great. Yeah, Ricky, I have known you for a very long time, and I am confident saying this is the best thing (laughs) you have ever made. Thank you so much. I'm glad um that i didn't i thought i peaked too early um no no. you peaked right now (laughs) perfect right on time uh but yes we are reviewing this movie because justice league is hitting theaters and uh we couldn't help but think of another ragtag group of heroes getting together with um, league in the title. With league in the title. We thought about a league of their own, um, but we thought oh, yeah. it was uh that would have come out of left field. Oh nice. Oh, please keep your applause uh to our Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. So let me read you a synopsis of the movie. Uh League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is a story all about an alternate Victorian age world. In that world, a group of famous contemporary fantasy, science fiction, and adventure characters team up on a secret mission. And uh, I do want to note that in the trailer, uh, which I watched a ton of to uh, make that uh, mashup. The best thing you've ever made. (laughs) Yeah, and so in that trailer, it was promoted as this summer, the bad will fight for good and then a bunch of explosions and so then i said to myself what is this some kind of league of extraordinary gentlemen and then i (laughs) laughed heartily to myself i mean that Um, that is true yeah i i never thought of these as like bad guys right but they are i guess so really it's more of suicide squad yeah, but for the sake of the relevancy of its uh, release, uh, Justice League. Um, so the movie uh, is based <laughs> off of a comic book of the same name, Leave It of Extraordinary Gentlemen, written by Alan Moore. Um, and Alan Moore has a history of people adapting his movies and him absolutely loving it. On opposite day. Uh, (laughs) I was going to say, that's not what I heard. (laughs) Uh, But the difference being largely that the actual leader in the comic books was Mina Harker. She was um, from Van Helsing. 
she was the leader of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So, in this current League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, in this movie, we have Tom Sawyer from his self-titled story of Tom Sawyer, um, mm-hmm, Dr. Mm-hmm. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde. And here, interestingly enough, he is credited as Edward Hyde. I never thought that Hyde had a first name. I just thought it was Mr. No, I, like Madonna. I think both personalities had uh, like full names. Okay, Mister, I've read a book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we also have Dorian Gray uh, from the uh, portrait of Dorian Gray, uh, Captain Nemo uh, from that book that no one wanted to read uh, in middle school, Moby Dick, and um, and then Alan Quartermain. Save the best for last. Uh, Alan Quartermain uh, is the protagonist of H. Ryder Haggard's 1885 novel King Solomon's Mines and its sequels. And this character is who Indiana Jones is based off of. Oh, interesting. I'm sure that's yeah. going to come up again later. Oh, probably once or twice. <laughs> Um, there, are, there are other references to different novels where the characters don't appear as well. Uh, I mean, there are loose references to Phantom of the Opera. Um, did you mention the Invisible Man being in here as well? No, I skipped him and then immediately forgot about him. So, <laughs> interesting story about the featuring of Rodney Skinner, who is an Invisible Man. He is not the Invisible Man. Exactly. So, um, fun fact... The original H.G. Wells character is in the public domain, but his movie rights are still owned by Universal Studios, who did not make this film. Because of that, um, the film character for The Invisible Man had to be an Invisible Man. Uh, So they said, oh yeah, the original guy died, but I'm Rodney Skinner, lovable scamp who will not be appearing much in this movie. Yeah, so I guess he just stole the formula that turned him invisible? Yeah. Okay. Um, And then uh, Sherlock Holmes also referenced. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And um, so this movie um, came out, like we said, in 2003. uh, And you're probably wondering, why uh, Sean Connery, we haven't seen him in almost any movie that we've reviewed here on the podcast. Well, we decided to review a movie where it would be his final film performance. Um, We have mentioned him before in the podcast. Sean Connery was offered roles in The Matrix in 1999 and The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Rings in 2001. But Sean Connery didn't understand the script. So when offered... Another screenplay that he didn't quite get because, you know, The Matrix went on to make uh, all the money as well as Lord of the Rings. He said, hey, why not try A League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? And it would be the final film performance that we would see from Sir Sean Connery because he basically is like, I think I'm done. Uh, Because him and the director did not have a great time working together. But there are other directors to work with. Why write off film (laughs) altogether? I think I'm done. Another tie-in to the podcast. Um, this film opened at number two in the box office in 2003, right behind Pirates of the Caribbean, colon, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Really? Yeah. It grossed about $66 million in Canada and the U.S., $12 million in the U.K., and $12 million in Spain, bringing it to a grand total of, carry the two, $15.5 
worldwide. That is $179 million against a budget of $78 million. And Grayson, I know you're wondering, because we have that telepathic connection, uh-huh, uh-huh. it earned a total of $48 million in rentals. Oh, and yeah. L- let me divide that up for you. $14 million from VHS rentals. And $33 million from DVD rentals. And this was at the same time as Pirates? At Pirates, my they friend. They seem like they're so far apart. Yeah, I don't it really that. does. I also don't understand where you always find these VHS rental <laughs> statistics. I know a guy. Wow. He gets me the data. Then tries to sell you VHSs. <laughs> he, he also is my VHS guy. I buy a lot of VHSs from him. Yeah, oh, I mean, man. I uh, I remember seeing this in theaters. Uh, so, oh, so you saw it? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I saw this. I saw this with my eyes. And when the trailer came out, how old would I have been? Uh, uh, young. I remember <laughs> being so excited, being like, look at it's Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And like, I was, I was a big reader as a kid. And so I was like all these like book characters are together in a movie and it just blew my mind and i thought it was so amazing that they were all working together i have not seen it since i saw it in theaters until this week yeah i think that i have a very similar story except i saw it on a bus um i was i think it was a road trip so i like this Surprise, surprise, takes place uh, back when I went to the YMCA during summer. Um, one of the trips that we <laughs> one of the uh, trips that we would take is this uh, we it was like a, a a high school like values conference that would uh, be a 24 hour bus ride um, from Texas to I want to say uh, North Carolina. Yeah. Um, uh- checks out that's how long it takes to drive there (laughs) and so um on that bus we watched several movies one of which was league of extraordinary gentlemen Mm -hmm. and i remember watching it and the thing i was the most impressed with was the dr jekyll mr hyde thing because i'm like he's like the hulk this is so (laughs) awesome and i in my brain it was solidified that that was all 1000 percent cgi but upon watching, I mean, that was like he was in a real like suit, like with actual swingable arms and things like that. I was like, well, I'm color me impressed movie. Like they actually decided to just have an actual uh, like bodysuit, like a rubber suit. That was I was impressed. I was impressed when I saw that. Yeah. A lot of the special effects are very practically done in a way that held up. Uh, oh, yeah. He's like, oh, that I haven't seen something depicted that way. Because the way they depict his transformation, like with the flashes back and forth, you wouldn't oh. do that now because you would just make it a gradual uh, like animation. But to kind of get around the practical aspect of that costume, they do these big bursts, which is actually much more effective. Yeah, they went full Cronenberg, too, with that transformation. Like him just like mutating into this completely different being um it i want to kind of piggyback off of what you said grayson because you said you're like wow look at all these literary characters yeah uh i can't believe it um hollywood wouldn't believe uh flawless transition that you would actually recognize any of those characters so 
Tom Sawyer was added specifically because the studio thought that many people in the American market wouldn't care about the movie unless an American character and cast member was in it. Uh, what? <laughs> yes, true story. So, like, that's why I felt like Tom Sawyer was kind of shoehorned in. Like, when he showed up, he's like, yeah, I'm Tom Sawyer, Secret Service. I'm like, hold up, Walk to Remember. What are you doing in this movie? We are well past, like, the first act. Like, we're well into the second act right now. Yeah. Well, if you're going to do that, give him a partner and make it Huckleberry Finn. Like, just put them together. Oh, hey, Grayson. Yeah? A scene was cut from the film where Tom Sawyer explains that his friend, Agent Huck Finn, were tracking down the Phantom, and that the Phantom killed Huck. And this is the reason why Sawyer is so intent on getting the Phantom. Never mind. I take it back. (laughs) I take it back. Uh, Which I think, again, I I think that's great character motivation. Would have loved to see them have that in there, because it makes... I think that's all you need. It's like one line, I feel like. I feel like it wouldn't have taken that much away from the film if you would have added that. Because then he has a reason to be in the film. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, why is he in the UK right now? Yeah. Except it does put the image in your head of the Phantom of the Opera dropping a chandelier on Huckleberry Finn. (laughs) You're right. It does. (laughs) Oh, man did want to open it up to our newest addition to the show uh quote corner oh no (laughs) i have three quotes um that were my favorite quotes of the entire movie one is very similar to the last one that you had where it's just a gesture um but i'll start with this um, in the opening, um, there are all these attacks happening, and they have like the classic newspaper spinnings happening. Yeah. My favorite quote is, one of the headlines says, Not us, says Germany. Yep. Official quote. <laughs> Not us. Not us. Period. Hard stop. And then, um, Skinner, throughout the movie, uh, which, I mean, we'll get to this, uh, <laughs> I, I felt so bad in seeing this all the time, but happening with uh, Mina Harker, her character was just, she's the woman. Um, so almost everyone hit on her at some point in time. And so um, there's one line where Sean Connery says, she's out of your league. Oh, yeah. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't help but just say, all right, need to stop this. need to write this one down because... <laughs> Sean Connery making puns, I realized, is my new favorite thing. (laughs) Um, And then my last thing, which is a moment uh, that just happened right before they go into this big battle. Everyone puts their hands together um, like a team would. Like a team, like everyone hands in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen on the count of three. One, two, three. They do that exact same thing, except it's pure silence. No one says anything. <laughs> it felt so weird. They don't like, have to say anything. Like, they all put your hands in, and they all just look at each other, and they don't even like raise their hands up. <laughs> they just gently remove their hands. I would after. love it if they ran into the fight with their hands still in the middle. <laughs> They all shuffle together like a Mighty Ducks training montage. Oh, man. 
<laughs> yeah, that. Uh, oh, and also I have to add this. Um, my favorite line from my favorite character, Dorian Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, when the man is like shooting at him, he says, what are you? He says, I'm complicated. And then he stabs him and just jaunts off. <laughs> Why answer if you're going to kill the guy? <laughs> he can't use that information. Now I know. Oh. 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 The quote I wrote down was, Old tigers sensing the end are their most fierce, and they go down fighting. I was like, well, that's just that's just strong thoughts. <laughs> you got some strong thoughts there. Well, I think he, well, he read his issue of National Geographic. Let's go ahead and get into our reactions. We already talked about when we first saw this movie. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the time that we saw it just recently. Now, for me, I'll say that my impression and expectation going into this movie was that it was going to be terrible um because this is one of those movies that people are just like oh yeah you mean that really dumb old movie but i have to say guys i was really impressed like there were so many twists and turns it reminded me of like once upon a time so much and i was like oh "Oh, this is just once the action movie and then i realized wait I played Wolf Among Us, which is based off of the comic book Fables, which is also the loose adaptation from Once Upon a Time, except with Disney characters. And I'm like, oh, this is so ripe for a reboot, because these characters are like so fun to see how they've been interpreted as like action heroes. Dorian Gray, the only thing about Dorian Gray is like, oh yeah... He doesn't age, but his picture does. Like, yeah. that's it. And someone said, so he's invincible. It's like, no, no, no. He he just lives a really long time. Invincible. Yeah. Except if they did a reboot, they would probably use more modern day literature. Uh, so it would be like Katniss Everdeen <laughs> with Harry Potter and the guy from Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, uh, just all gosh. mixed together. Oh, man, you just hopped into recast and remake with no regard for structure, just full force. The game is on. (laughs) Granted, they did a lot of weird, like, and it felt like a lot of production stuff that probably got in the way, because I I could tell there were things that were cut, Mm -hmm. because they're just like, ah, Skinner, he ran off this, that, the other. I'm like... What scheduling conflict did he have that he couldn't be in this movie? Like, I get that he's the Invisible Man, but, like, why did you just write him out of, like, half of the second act? But even if you can't get the actor, what, you can't get the hat? What? (laughs) Was the hat busy? No, the hat was on loan. (laughs) He brought that from home. (laughs) That's his personal hat. We can't take it away from him. But that's, I think, man, like, the story that they told, um, getting the League together, then weaponizing the League, even the super spoiler alert, if you're this far in, you know what you're getting into, um, Moriarty being Mr. M, I was like, I said, what a plot twist, I I wasn't expecting this. There were two things that I did not remember that shocked me. That was one of them, and the other one was when Mina turns and is a straight-up vampire. Because I kept watching, going, I don't remember her power. Like I don't, uh, and I couldn't remember from Dracula and all that. And then when she just goes ah, and like bites the neck, I was like, Oh right, right, yeah. <laughs> now I remember, but it legitimately like who 
took me aback. Oh. Yeah, I mean, and so, and like I said, in the comics, she's just basically, she's basically Quartermain. Like, she's just an awesome hunter. But, like, her being a vampire, I thought was a really fun uh, twist. Uh, I do have to say, though, and again, this is from me editing the trailer again, as Grayson has gone and saying, best thing I've ever done. Best thing you've ever done <laughs> with your life. Um, here's this real, like, here's my, my biggest bone to pick with this movie. Um, they would not stop over-sexualizing Mina Harker. Literally in the trailer, they just have cut, cutaways to her chest. That's it. Like, there are just a hard cutaway to her chest. Multiple, like, there are multiple cuts in the trailer. I'm just like, guys, you don't need to do this. And there's a time in the trailer where they say, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and Women. I was just like, oh, guys, no, don't do, don't, don't be this movie. And it just, because it was, it's a thing that, I mean, it just happens because this is how writing is done. Sometimes it's just dumb. Um, <laughs> But they do this thing where it's just like, well, it was the early 1700s, so we can justify, like, some sexism, right? Like, that that would be acceptable for these people. I'm like, no, no you no. don't, because she was the leader of the original team. So, like, why not just let her be a leader in She's the team? She's also a person. Right. Like, that was my biggest problem. Yeah. Like, my biggest problem was just like, come on, guys. Like, she is a vampire and she also has like this really mysterious backstory and like she could take out all of you like don't just reduce her down to this uh anyway that's that's the end of my frustration with it uh, but i did like that they put her on par with uh dorian gray that mm-hmm. fight scene was one of my favorite things i guess i should have saved this for quote corner but when they're fighting each other and they're scratching each other and um, Mina Harker pulls her face away and her face heals, Dorian Gray's face heals. And he says, we're going to be at this all day. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then they just keep fighting each other. I'm like, yes. It's not wrong. <laughs> I just love that. And I really, really appreciated the interpretation of Captain Nemo. Yeah, well, it's a good... Uh... Like the redemption layers of how he has the dark past. Like, I, I really enjoyed that. And I just the set design on his ship and uh, the design on the car I thought was awesome. I, I also like the incorporation of Ishmael as his first mate. And when they meet him, he goes, Call me Ishmael. And I was like, Ah, he said it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, a lot of interesting choices. Like, it's the kind of movie where you think you know this character. Um, and you have to be willing to let go of, well, that's not how it was in the book, um, and just enjoy it. Like, okay, this is a what if they had gone on to do this thing. A um, little bit of uh, revisionist history, both in the real world and in the literary world. Yeah, I thought it was so cool. And I'm not super familiar with a lot of these literary characters. But yeah, I, I just thought it was really interesting. And I would have liked to um, see... It become a franchise because basically they couldn't do the movie because Sean Connery said no. Like he hard stop said, I'm done acting now, so you can't get me back. And they're like, oh, we we built this thing around you. Yeah, that's true. And so by the time they were even like 
possibly considering doing something different, all steam for the movie had basically um, fallen out. And so that's why we don't have A League of Extraordinary Gentlemen 2 yet. Pause for drama. Definitely not for looking it up. Because um, it has been announced that there have been talks to do a reboot as of... 2015, 20th Century Fox and Davis Entertainment had agreed to develop a reboot with hopes of launching a franchise, and the report stated that a search was underway for a director who could help continue to develop the reboot. Whoa. Um, and that was in a Collider interview uh, back in 2015. Yeah, so it, there, there's still potential for it to happen in the future. Oh, oh my gosh, Grayson, I'm so sorry. Um wow. I didn't see. I just bumped into um, this thing that's been here this whole time. I guess it was just invisible. You don't say. Let's launch it to some head cannon. Head cannon. Ishmael, no. I'm waiting to be impressed. Headcanon is a part of the show where we share with you unique ideas and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Headcanon for this film, Grayson. Let me tell you, like this movie. Like I said, I actually had a really good time watching it. With the exception of my headcanon, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be great. Um, Indiana Jones, headcanon, it's all through there. Man, he he was based off of Indi- Man, this is going to be the easiest headcanon. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. in the third act, more, he kills him. Then I read they wanted to have a more ambiguous ending in the actual, in the original shooting ending, in the script. Quartermain's hand reaches out and grabs the gun. Okay, so did that happen in the theatrical version? Because in my mind, that's what happened. Ooh, really? And then when I was watching it, it cut to black, and I was like, where was his hand? Like, they make references all the way through that he would never die in Africa, or like he would he would come back, basically. And I I remember so vividly having the image of his hand reaching up. But maybe that was just my little child mind making, like, filling in the gaps. But they still imply that he is being raised from the dead. Yeah. Otherwise, why the guy, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, why that whole ending scene? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so my, my head can originally have to do with Indiana Jones. Um, but... Um, because it does kind of take place in the end of the 19th century, and Indiana Jones kind of takes place... Around World War II era. Right. So that would place Quartermain in the same time period as Indiana Jones, just off the bat. So I'm just going to go with my default twin brother uh, storyline, <laughs> uh, and that they probably went on a lot of adventures together. And that's the kind of adventure, the adventures that... Indy has with his father is the adventure that Quartermain used to have with his son and that him and Indy would have been really great cousins. Headcanon. I like it. My headcanon is also Indiana Jones related. Um, It just begs for it. The idea is that Jones is not Henry Jones's real name. Um, That he is Alan Quartermain. Uh, always has been that's his first true identity um and that he 
has uh, been called upon to end these wars throughout history. Ooh. But the idea is that this Alan Quartermain character um, is brought in to stop the First World War. And in the subsequent Indiana Jones movies, he is dealing with the events of the Second World War. With the problem of Quartermain dying at the end, I think they make it pretty clear that there's an intent to bring him back. Um, and they talk about that he could never die in Africa. Um, he's been protected there. They have the ground shaking at the end. So my headcanon is that he does come back. Uh, that's already established there. But when he comes back, he's got a, a target on him. He's been very visible. That's why he changes his name to something generic like Jones. And mm. he he goes on and lives his life. Um, the sad thing is that we know... Uh, now that Indy was not his first son, that he had a son before who was killed and he goes and starts this new life in this new century. And that's when he has, has Indiana Jones. So, uh, he's still his father. Um, and spoiler alert for kingdom of the crystal skull. Sorry. I couldn't even say it. Uh, but anyway, there's a fourth movie. They establish in that, uh, that, Henry Jones died. Um, my head canon for that then is that that is the story maintained or given to uh, people in Jones's life because he had to basically go into hiding when he became too noticeable again. Like he went on this grand adventure. People saw him on the street doing this. Uh, I mean, he's in the Middle East. He's not far from Africa. Um, not that much time has passed to where he basically has to go back underground and probably use that same doppelganger type to tell them the stories so I don't have to arrangement. Right. Um, and so uh, Indiana Jones saying, like, my father is dead and all that, he's really just protecting him as uh, Henry Jones is back in Africa. Um and so that's, uh, I think, a happier ending for the most part. Um, the idea that uh, Henry Jones will probably outlive everybody in the Indiana Jones story because he is Alan Quartermain. As long as he resides in Africa and is buried in Africa, he is going to continue living. Wow. That's solid, man. Way to go. All right, now we're going to go to a part of the show where we talk about recast and remakes. Recast. Remake. Um, <laughs> unofficial uh, official theme song for recast it and remake. It is now. Uh, if this movie were to be remade today, who would you cast and what would the subject matter be? Storyline and stuff. So we've mentioned this a lot. Um, I really do think that this is ripe for a reboot. Um, I would cast uh, Will Smith as Deadshot, uh, Margot <laughs> Robbie as Harley Quinn. Uh, um, but no, I really think that basically taking the Suicide Squad formula after like the trailer basically said that that's what they were, um, I think that that would be really cool to just see prominent either villains kind of have a redemption story or to do it more like the Avengers where it's like, hey... We have all these heroes from all these different stories. Let's bring them together. Mm -hmm. um, I think that they can use this formula in literary. Oh, I meant literally. Uh, but in 
literally every literary uh, subject genre. So you can do like um, uh, the maze games and it's like the maze runner and the hunger games combined together and pretty much any other teen dystopian future uh, kind of story in there. I think you struck gold. Just be like the League of Extraordinary Teenagers, and yeah. the studios would be like, "Wait, wait, wait! Say that again. This time into the mic." <laughs> I won't say anything else until I get a check. <laughs> but yeah, I really think that that I just think that having all those literary characters being together, and because like I think that was the most interesting thing is like how, um, like how Dorian would know of, um. Mina, like that, they would know each other. She's like, "Wow, Dorian, you look really good." He's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I just exercise a lot. Uh, made a deal with this painting." But how are you? <laughs> like, I thought that that was like so cool that the characters did like they were familiar with each other and just like they're just reading the newspaper instead of reading novels. I just thought that was really cool. Uh, and so I think that building out that world would be super, super interesting. Well, what if the characters in the newspaper were real? Oh. It'd be called a documentary. <laughs> uh, all right. So my cast list is uh, for Quartermain. I have Sir Anthony Hopkins because I just saw Thor and want to see more of him. Mm-hmm. Um, for Mina, I have Claire Danes because they look the same. For Skinner, Andy Serkis, because that guy (laughs) loves his mocap. Nemo, that uh, the crazy guy from Rogue One, uh, Riz Ahmed, I think his name is. I really like that actor. Um, And then uh, Dr. Jekyll, Paul Bettany, because I already thought it was Paul Bettany. (laughs) Uh, So why not? Uh, For Tom Sawyer, uh, that uh, the brother from Supernatural, but... uh, not oh, the one yeah. you're thinking of. The, the other one. <laughs> uh, and for Dorian Gray, Jared Leto. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, because of the cheekbones. Mm-hmm. And then, finally, the Phantom, Hugo Weaving. Because that guy does not know how to not play a villain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Hugo Weaving, it to me, is the ultimate villain. So, anytime there's an opportunity, just let him be bad. Yeah. That's really good. All right, now we're going to go into our final segment of the show where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? I recommend uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen because it is a movie for people who read books. (laughs) Can't miss. I think that was on the the poster. (laughs) Yeah, I, I really, like... I really enjoyed this movie, and I really wanted to see more Alan Moore. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, honestly, like, I think a movie does a good job. Someone pointed this out. Uh, I can't remember what movie it was for, so it might just fall flat. Um, but when they, when talking about movie adaptations of books, someone brought up the point of saying, like, listen we made this movie so that people would read the books. Like we know that there are going to be a large group of people who aren't going to read the books. Um, but the movie, 
when we are making these movies from books, we're not trying to replace the book, but we're trying to create something different in this medium that makes people want to read the books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this movie accomplished that a lot. Uh, I reached out to a couple of people on social media and they were like, yeah, like people dog this movie all the time, but I really like it. And I like it too. Like it was yeah. fun. Um, there were uh, so many things that I think they did really right. And that if it were a different time, uh, I think it probably would have had like maybe five movies by now. Oh yeah. Um, but there's always the comics and I did want to give like, a an, a recommendation within reasons to recommend. Um, there is a YouTube web series done by the, uh, group called Shipwrecked comedy called, Edgar Allan Poe's Murder Mystery Invite-Only Casual Dinner Party Gala for Friends Potluck. Whoa. Basically, it is a murder mystery. So you have characters from Edgar Allan Poe's works. You have Edgar Allan Poe. You have Lenore. You have Annabelle Lee. But then you have Ernest Hemingway. You have Charlotte Bronte. You have um, Mary Shelley. You have like just all of these uh, characters coming together and having a murder mystery. Um, and it's basically like a movie. Uh, so it's kind of like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but from the writer's perspective. And all these different writers are like like talking about each other's writings as they're trying to solve this mystery. And it's just, it's a ton of fun. So this movie made me think of that. So uh, link will be in the show notes and on Twitter if you want to uh, watch that there. Because it's all on YouTube and it's fantastic. Wow, that sounds awesome. And... It's a good time. They really were League <laughs> of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Ah, oh, they sure were. They sure were. <laughs> and that is our review of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Let us know what you remember about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen on Twitter. We are at flashback flicks and it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review of what you think of this podcast maybe even this episode specifically on a scale of one to five fictional characters mm-hmm. um or pages of a book <laughs> what or, or exploding zeppelins <laughs> Yeah, so um, on Apple Podcasts, you can open up the app, uh, leave us a one to five star review, and leave it the comment. Actually, on Twitter, let us know who would you assemble on your League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? What fictional characters would you put together in a team um, from literary uh, fiction? So not comic books, even though it does count. That would be interesting to see, but we already have Avengers and Justice League. But like outside of that, in literary, who'd be in your team? And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Ricky, I want to say that was a really solid episode, and I think you were especially good. And I just got to say... It was by far the best thing (laughs) that anyone has ever done in the history of humankind. And I don't think I'm overstating that.